you know, when I talk with people, uh, people is going to typically say, no, I don't like this. And sometimes you don't like it because you don't know how it works. And that applies to everything. It applies for math, applies for chemistry, applies for music. If you don't, if you don't know how to do it, the easy excuse is, uh, I don't like it. So I have the feeling like, um, as, uh, more people becomes more familiar with the feed industry, either, you know, like through online classes or through like this podcast. Hopefully, we are going to have more professionals um, in the feed industry in, in years to come. A whole new era of communication in the feed mill industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds in the global feed mill industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a feed mill, to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. Welcome to the Feed Science Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and all that's working in the global feed mill industry. This is the Feed Science Podcast. My name is Adam Ferenholz, and on behalf of everybody that is involved in this new venture that we are, are taking on, uh, I want to say thank you for joining us, and this is our, our first episode, and so we thought as our very first episode, one of the best things that we could probably do for everybody in the audience was to introduce ourselves as hosts and co-hosts. Uh, we'll most likely be doing these podcasts uh, not too often as as co-hosts, uh, but there'll be um, multiple hosts doing the, the work. And so in addition to myself, I'm joined today by Dr. Wilmer Pacheco, who is going to be the other host of podcasts uh, as we release them. And like I said, we thought that the a good way to start would be to interview each other, introduce ourselves, give uh, the audience a background of exactly uh, our path to coming to this strange world of uh, feed milling in an academic sense. Uh, it's a it's a rare kind of group of people that decided to do this for a living, uh, and so we thought we'd share a little bit about ourselves. So, with that, hey Wilmer, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you, Adam? Doing well, doing well. I'm uh, I'm excited to, to see kind of how this uh, how this all grows. Um, I'm, I'm I think it should be a lot of fun. I've I've talked to a few different people about their interest in joining and and being on the podcast, and I, I think it'll give us a fun space to have some conversations that other people don't uh, necessarily get to get to have. Learn a little bit about the industry, some of the science, but also you know some of the fun stories and things that are out there. I uh, I was having a conversation is actually with one of my graduate students and he's kind of said, well, who's going to listen to that, right? And I said, well, I don't know. You know, people seem to like driving in their cars on the way to work, listening to you know real crime and all other kinds of strange podcasts. So why not one on feed milling? Maybe we can make it fun and entertaining. So I'm hoping that's something that we can do and maybe some folks can learn a little bit about you know what it is that we are. So uh, like I mentioned, I think. I think a great place to start is to have a, a conversation here for just a just a little while and introduce ourselves and and kind of what we do, but also uh, um, how we how we got here. So uh, I, I'm gonna I, I'll act as the interviewer here from the start, and I'll interview you and and I'll ask you you know describe a, you know what your current position is, but then also if you wouldn't mind give the give the folks an idea of how you got from wherever you decided to start kind of in this agricultural space to teaching about 
you know, ultra nutrition feed milling and all the, the like there to offer. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, in my case has been an accident, uh, Adam, uh, just because I'm uh, from a very rural area in Honduras. And, um, you know, like I grew up, you know, planting corn and beans. But one of the things that I I was sure about when I was 15, uh, 15 uh, years old was that I didn't want to stay in my hometown for too long because there were not a lot of opportunities. Uh, there was no university. So the, the only opportunity that I got to go to high school to San Pedro Sula was to join a technical center. And that's a collaboration between the government of Honduras and the government of uh, uh, Germany. And in this center, I study, you know, maintenance. And uh, I was, um, I learned how to uh, make pieces of machines. And then I learned to do like preventive and corrective maintenance. And at that point, my goal was to uh, finish, you know, high school and then work during the day in San Pedro Sula and then study during the night. Like um, I was thinking, you know, uh, mechanical engineering. But then uh, when I was finishing uh, the high school, uh, one of my uh, sister-in-law uh, in law spoke about like Samorano University. And she encouraged me to, you know, do like the admission test. So I did it and I got a scholarship to, to study at Samorano. And one of my brothers was really mad with me because he told me like why I wanted to study agriculture uh, if I was like in a technical career. So I had to convince him and uh, I went to Samorano and then in Samorano, I was focused on uh, milk processing. So I was just working in make cheese, yogurt, you know, working with juice processing. And then in the last year of Samorano, um, I had the opportunity to interview with the Smithfield Foods because they had like a manager trainee program in feed milling. I think that I had seen only like a mixer in Samorano, but no other equipment in the in the feed industry. And uh, they um, uh, invited me to be part of the manager training program in, in Lorenburg in North Carolina. And it was really interesting because uh, the knowledge that I had, like in, you know, the technical knowledge that I got during the, the high school, plus the knowledge in, in, in agriculture that I got from Samorano, uh, helped me out to understand, you know, like the process and the nutrition. And um, I was one one year one year in the manager training program, and then I became the night shift supervisor. And I was working from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So I quickly realized this is not what I want to do all my life. And um, so I I uh, I did the you know like the TOEFL exam, which is a requirement to apply to grad school in in the U.S. And then I was accepted in the poultry science department in uh, in, in NC State. Uh, during the master, I was working with a soybean processing and um, just looking trips in inhibitors and looking, you know, like different particle size of soybean meal to increase the tolerance of uh, the birds to trips in inhibitors. And then uh, when I was finishing the, the master program, uh, Dr. Charles Stark offered me the, the, the PhD. He was my main advisor during the master so i did the phd but during the phd i focused more like in nutrition and physiology working with dds and when i left um north carolina i was 
I, I feel like I was very blessed because I had the opportunity to work in feed processing. Then I had a good understanding of soybean meal processing and then did it, yes. So I, I had like a good understanding of some of the major ingredients that we use in, um, uh, in poultry feeding. And then in uh, March 2015, Auburn University um, had a position open and I applied and I got the position. And the idea here in Auburn at the beginning was to do a lot of feed milling work. But then as the graduate, uh, the grads, um, as my graduate program increased, then now I'm doing more research with nutrition. Um, I still do like a lot of work with feed milling, but I work a lot with, uh, with additives and, uh, has been a really good experience. Um, I always say that I could only have like a better job than this, that, uh, will be to be a soccer player, but I think I'm getting too old for that. So I'm, I'm really <laughs> happy with, you know, with what I, with I, with what I do. Um, I have the opportunity to interact with the industry here in the U S and in, in several countries. Which I think is good because when you look at the industry, the same problems repeat all of you know over and over in different places. And when you see a problem in in a place, it's easier to correct it in another place. So, has been a, a really good experience. What 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 about you, Adam? Yeah. So so I'm gonna add kind of one one thing to your story there, just because I I think this gets interesting from the, the small world aspect. So she so you mentioned start. Um, and being your master's and then you did your PhD there uh, with, with Charles and, and also Dr. Bray uh, is here as well. But Charles uh, would have also been, I suppose, probably the director of feed manufacturing in Smithfield by the time you came up, right? Yeah, and uh, so, so, something that probably I, I have to share was that uh, when I was at Zamorano, I didn't speak any English. Uh, you take English classes, and um, but I, I was, you know, English was not as important for me. I was just more focused on the other classes. And then when Smithfield went to San Morano, uh, they told me that I needed to uh, speak English to work in a feed mill. And one of the ladies in human uh, resources in San Morano, she said, don't worry, I'm going to train you how to, like, uh, you know, do an interview. And I... I remember the first time that I went to her office, she said, are you ready? I said, yeah. And her first question was, why should I hire you? And I didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> and, um, and then I went to the interview and uh, yes, Dr. Stark was uh, the director of production at the Smithfield. And I thought that he was gonna ask me those standard questions in an interview, right? And I was kind of prepared to answer those questions. But like, I, I still remember that some of the questions that he asked me was, why do you think that you need to start from the bottom uh, when you work in a company? And um, I really enjoyed that interview with him. And I would say he was probably the person that took the decision to bring me from Honduras to Smithfield without having any uh, experience in feed processing and without speaking English. So, yeah. And yeah. then he was the one that offered me the opportunity to go to uh, North Carolina State as well. Yep. So, I, I, as, as I said, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna I'll start my my journey, and and we're gonna we're gonna tie that all some more together. So, my you you kind of said that your uh, entry into the the feed industry was was an accident, right? Um, which I think is probably true for the vast majority of people that end up in it, right? 
the vast majority of people end up somehow, you know, I, I don't know how I ended up here. It wasn't something I knew anything about, but I've really fallen in love with it or whatever. My story is a little bit uh, more nature versus nurture kind of a question. So I was born in uh, the mid 80s in Manhattan, Kansas, Kansas State University. And at the time, my mother had just finished vet school and my father was a graduate student in the Department of Brain Science at Kansas State University under the direction of Keith Benke at the time. Uh, and he was a graduate student, a master's student, a PhD, and then um, kind of a research scientist, research associate uh, type of position until we left there in the uh, early 90s when he took a job with which what was then Smith Klein Beecham Animal Health, then became Pfizer Animal Health, then became Fiber Animal Health. Um, there will probably be people listening to the podcast that will recognize the name Charlie Farenholz because I go everywhere, and, and which is great. I, it's something I actually really love. Um, so I don't know the first time I was in a feed mill. I can assure you it was well under a year of age. Um, I can also think I can probably assure you it was in some sort of violation of OSHA regulations and a number of other things. There are pictures of me as a very small child driving a forklift with the uh, then female manager um, there. So um, I it, there's a question about, in my mind always, how you, did I end up in feed milling because it, it was the right fit or was there something in the water or whatever? So we left, um, we left Manhattan, went to Pennsylvania for a few years, came back. I went to high school um, in, on the uh, Kansas City, but Missouri side of Kansas City. And, uh, you know, we are big K-State fan. Both my parents have, you know, my father has two advanced degrees from there. My mother has her veterinary degree from there. We, you know, I was born in Manhattan, always a huge fan of Kansas State. Um, so when it came time to pick a school that was on the short list, ended up going and ended up choosing feed science and management as my as my um, as my bachelor's degree. And I think the reason it may have been to some extent, you know, this is this is kind of what I knew, but I think a lot of it also had to do with I grew up always around animal agriculture in some way. We've always had horses uh, ever since you know I, I was born. I was, I'm sure I was on a horse before it was safe to do so as well, um, and. So always was around that, but then always adjacent to the rest of animal agriculture too. But I've I've figured out through high school that, you know, I liked a little bit of chemistry, but I wasn't going to be a chemist. And I liked biology, but I wasn't going to be a biologist or a nutritionist or something like that. Um, you know, I, I caught about maybe being a veterinarian. My mother kind of forbade me from pursuing that as a choice, um, which is probably a good thing at, at the time. I don't think that would have been a good fit for me. Um, I married one anyway, so... I, 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 I continue to live the, the some part of the veterinary lifestyle. And I think the reason that feed manufacturing, feed milling ended up being such a good fit for some for me to do was kind of like what you, you, you did by accident where it was, I like a little bit of nutrition. I like, the, I like some machinery. I like, but I'm not going to be an engineer. I'm not going to be the, I'm, but you know what does a little bit of all of them, this one job, like this is a very unique thing that, one day might be dealing with some formulation and some chemistry and some biology and trying to understand. And the other day might be turning a wrench to fix a piece of equipment and figuring out how to make something, you know, work when it wasn't before. Um, so with that, uh, I, I went and did my bachelor's in feed science and management kind of went and assumed most likely I'm, I'm going to go 
do feed mill manager or something like that. Um, I didn't actually have to do the night shift stuff. Um, I, I, we had a really good, um, program at the time at, at Kansas state of the, what was called the feed science advisory board, where we'd have folks come in and talk to us about, uh, kind of their industry and all these other things. And I, I heard enough stories to realize like, Hmm, so get called at three in the morning because I'm the manager because something horrible has happened and have to, you know, I still thought I was going to live in the Midwest the rest of my life and have to go out. It's probably December and freezing cold and deal with it. It's like, no, that doesn't, I don't, I don't know that I want to do that. So I, uh, decided, you know what, let me go ahead and stay and do my master's and stay and do my master's like you turned into stay and do my PhD and worked on, I also worked on distillers grains on, on my master's, looked at um, how you could potentially pellet and then break down distillers grains and how that would work in finished feeds. And on my PhD, just like broke down pelleting as far as I could go and, and looked at all kinds of different things that, that impacted pellet mill and the pellets themselves. And I measured a couple thousand, uh, yeah, it was, it was maybe a couple thousand pellets with the Instron to determine, you know, elasticity force and all things I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, I don't know how many PDI tests I did, particle size tests I did. You've done more particle size tests at this point than I have. I can guarantee you that um, based on the work you guys have been doing. But, you know, decided that I really liked that, but I still didn't quite know what I wanted to do. So I also ended up talking to Stark. Um, and Stark had known me since I was a little kid because he came into, um, the feed science world as a graduate student for a couple years, right when my father, and for those that might be listening that also, uh, know a guy by the name of Kim Koch from the Northern Crofts Institute, they were kind of all there together at, at one time. And so I'd known Charles for a really, really long time. Um, and you know, he and my father had been friends and kept in touch. And so I reached out to him and said, hey, before I decide on what I want to do, a lot of what we focus on at Kansas State has had to do with kind of the commercial side of things. I'd like to get some experience on the integrated side um, of feed manufacturing, get some exposure to it, and then that might help me make my decision what I want to do. So he invited me to come to NC State as what we called a postdoc position because he had to call it something. Um, so I came to NC State. And that would have been 2012 and uh, worked on some projects with him, but then got the opportunity to go out and spend some time in the integrated feed world while working on those projects and, and learn about it. Lo and behold, um, late in 2012, uh, they, it, it became necessary to hire a, a, a faculty member to run the program at Kansas State to run the program in grain science. Uh, they pursued Stark. He took some time to, to think about it and some convincing, I think, uh, but he eventually said yes. And, and he asked me if, you know, if he left here and they asked me to apply for the position, would I? And I, you know, I thought about it and talked with my wife about it and decided, you know what? I, yeah, I kind of like this academic side. They, they ended up opening a position. I applied, um, went through the interview process. They, they gave me the job and I was on faculty in November of 2013. So, um, being here was never exactly the design, but I assumed I'd be in a feed mill somewhere. It's still my favorite place to be. Um, but academia wasn't necessarily a part of the goal, but it's it's how we ended up ended up here. But I do find it interesting that all of those things considered that now I look at, you know, 
Okay, there's a lot of feed milling work going on and and at different places. Um, but you know, you guys do quite a bit there at at uh, Auburn, and we're doing ours here at uh, NC State, and you've got Charles there at K State, and now there's some other places that are doing things as well as as well as some other um, animal science and poultry science departments that have long done work on the the feed milling side as it relates to nutrition. But in reality, the world's really small. Like there's not that many of us and we all have some sort of connection. And I think that's, I think it's really interesting and, and, and kind of, kind of fun. So um, it's, it's interesting how all the paths kind of can converge and diverge and then converge again and that sort of thing. So that's true. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's a, that's my story on kind of uh, how I, how I got here. Yeah. I mean, uh, we were in NC State for like around two years there together, right? Yeah. So I got here in 2012. I graduated um, in tw- uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it was there for, it was there for a, a little while. The, uh, the good old days of uh, Dr. Brake's lab group and, and all that. Yeah, the meetings went uh, on Friday at 3 p.m. Friday at 3 p.m. <laughs> meetings just to, I, I think, to make sure we were ready for the week ahead, but also to uh, kind of teach everybody that, yeah, the work week's not over until the work week's over. You know, you, you got you to work the whole week long. So, yeah, I would still talk about that with people fondly. I remember it fondly. I'm not sure how fondly we all thought of it at the moment, but I, I think back and I think about it. I honestly think that that was like a really good um, idea because we knew like uh, Dr. Bragg was always busy and uh, he always had like that, you know, hour and a half to two hours to meet with us. And uh, I had the feeling that when uh, we were, when I was defending the, you know, the dissertation, it was very helpful because um, a lot of the questions that I was asked during the defense, he asked me like multiple times and uh, one thing, one thing that I, I always like enjoy was that if I got distracted, he could pick it up really quick, and he would say, "Right, right, Wilmer, or yeah. right, JT," and uh, yeah. he knew when uh, when you were distracted in in those meetings, and uh, that was that was really good. No, it, I, I, yeah, it, it, he he had a he had a gift for that, and and I think it's, and and I think you can tell also on the with faculty in particular, kind of who their mentors were. And, you know, and I'm, I'm like you, I think a lot about the way that you know, Keith Benke did things with me and the way then that I learned from Brake and the way that I learned from Charles and, and think, okay, these were the things that they did that they didn't have to do, but that were really beneficial for, for student, you know, um, things like teaching in the moment, right. Where it's like, nah, it's not all in the classroom. How, how many, <laughs> And I know sometimes my like staff hates me for it, but you know, something will happen in the feed mill and, you know, instead of just, you know, we just fix it or we move on. It's like, no, everybody come gather around, you know, let you know, this happen. Let me show you, let me show you why, let, let me, let me show you how this, this particular, you know, bearing is supposed to come apart or, you know, yeah, the pellet mill, pellet mill plugged and let's go look specifically what happened here. And, and that's something I think I, I, I took from all three of like those guys was this idea of don't waste the opportunity to, to teach something because it, you know, you don't know the next time it's going to present itself, take the five minutes and explain what happened and, and why. And I, I love, um, I tell people, you know, when we talk about teaching, I, I, I like 
teaching. I like the dissemination of knowledge. I'm not the most gifted classroom instructor. I've seen really gifted classroom instructors, and I know I'm not one of those and that I have to work at being good in the classroom. But out in the field, like out in the mill, and I'm sure this is true for you as well, because I've seen you do it in the mill or, or in the poultry barn, it's, it, I love the opportunity to say, oh, here's something cool that maybe you haven't seen before. Everybody come over here. Come over here. Let me, let me show you this. That, I, I find that so much fun, I, I, whether it be with students or it be when you're out on like a, a consulting or an extension trip. And, you know, sometimes you think to yourself, right? Like, you know, I'm probably telling me these guys have been in the industry a long time. I'm probably telling them something that they already know. I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I don't want to sit there and, and make, make them look at me like, okay, university boy, like, uh, yeah, I know. And then you find out that it's like, oh, we never thought about it that way. And while I'm at the female, they've taught me something that I've never thought about that way. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, I, that's a really interesting point. I, you know, I'm taking notes. That's going in my next lecture on, on grinding because I never even considered that before. Um, that's so much fun. And that's one of the things I love about doing this from the academic side is that that opportunity to explore and learn on a constant basis and then give that to somebody else, whoever it is. That's correct. Uh, you know, like um, the, the the other thing that I, I, I feel like I learned a lot when I was at NC State because, um, you know, historic for kid and, and break were like my main advisors. And I remember Ferkid always told me, you are going to become your advisor. So I think I'm a combination of all the three. Uh, but one thing that I learned is like uh, they always saw the students as a colleagues. They never saw the students as students because in reality, I mean, the you know, being a grad student is just like a, a small fraction of all your professional careers. The students are going to graduate and then they are going to be working with you either directly or indirectly and I, I really i really like that that um they always saw the team as as colleagues you know of course we we have to have the respect for them and uh sometimes they can see things that we cannot see but uh i'm sure that you and i uh we are um treating our grad students or undergrad students the same way yep well i mean and and you know so it's it's another part of this of the small world, right? Because at this point now we we we've shared one where my my you know most recently graduated PhD Andrea Rubio was your master's, and before that she was at Zamorano, and it's and it's fun to it kind of continue that cycle, right? But you're you're absolutely right when you get a really good graduate student like that. And you kind of like, oh, this is someone I can work with. I'm, I'm also a mentor and I'm teaching and, and I need to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm maintaining that relationship. And and that's, I think, if you put the work into it, easy to do professionally, but also realizing that now this is, you know, this person got here because they've got something to bring to the table. They've got some intelligence. They're, they're probably thinking of things in a way that I haven't thought of before. And so there's that that feedback and there's a way to make it, you know, both professional and, and fun and everything all at the same time. Um, you can really tell I, I, whenever you get around somebody and they talk about their advisor and, you know, and they're, they're 30 years into their career and they still talk about their advisor or, um, you know, I, I, I can hear you doing it in, in, you know, just the way that you're saying the names and, and I'm the same way. It's, you know, 
yeah, I've got that degree now. And, and technically I suppose that makes us equals. I mean, heck I'm, I'm a faculty member too. And there's certain people I'm never calling by their first name. Like it, I, I it can't, I can't come out of my mouth that way. Right. It's like, mm, no, nah, sorry. You're always doctor, whatever to, to me. And that's, uh, but it's funny how often, I don't know if you've experienced this, but, uh, there's like folks even like out in the industry and they'll refer to me that way for me to doc or, you know, doctor friend, I'm looking at him going, you've been doing this for 45 years. Why are you being formal with me? Like I, I'm the, I'm the new guy here learning from you. And, and that, uh, that's always a little shocking and you forget like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess I've been around longer than I thought. <laughs> you, you know what I tell them, Adam, it's, um, if you forget my name, you can call me doctor. That's the only reason. Because yeah. it would be easier. Uh, yeah. but otherwise just, um, I mean, just call me by the, by my name. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've always kind of thought of that the, uh, in, in the same way. Um, it's a, it's a interesting, interesting and fun place to work. I, I, in the industry in general, right. I, I love the opportunity kind of, as we discussed to any one day could be, you know, I, uh, actually, I, I laugh about it in, in, in this context of, you know, end of the day and I go pick up, uh, go pick up the, the kids from school, preschool, um, my my three and uh and it's like I, I often wonder that if these people don't look at me and wonder what I because there are days where I'm getting out of the car and I'm I'm in suit and tie like I'm to the nines like just because that was a day where I had a meeting with particular you know, stakeholders or the dean and the department head of you know some there was some very important meeting I had to be and there's other days I get out and I look exhausted and I'm covered in all manner of feed and grease and you know i'm in i'm in my, my jeans and my t-shirt and they have a look at me and go no nobody can have a job that in court that encompasses both of these things and it's like well i do and it's awesome you know it's a lot of fun well and i i think you know the other nice thing when when you were talking about like the feed industry and how um more programs we are having more programs in other universities i i think that's really good um because um even you know when when th this means like the that feed is very important. We know like it, it represents more than seventy percent sometimes of the total cost. And uh, when I came to the U.S. fifteen years ago, I, I had the feeling like you know the feed mill used to. We always look at it as a cost center. Yeah. Now uh, companies are just putting more money into you know the feed industry because they can put like a dollar in improving you know a process but then they can save two dollars um so it's 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 really interesting and, and like you're saying is um it's an industry that um you do something different every day and that's that's what i i miss a lot about like working in the night shift because there were some nights that nothing was going on everything was running smoothly there were other nights that i was just waiting for the boss to arrive and say bye just yeah. go home and then go to sleep. Yeah, because you probably—I mean, we were working for like eight or nine hours uh, in one night just trying to fix something. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's that's it's, it's it's a good place to be. Yeah, yeah. No, I like I said, I I never got to do it from the uh, um, or had to do it. How, this depends on your perspective from the uh, the standpoint of the industry. But I, I started working in the feed mill at K State, the university feed mill in. So it had been 2003. Um, I had walked into Banky's office and said, "Look, you know, I, I'm a freshman. I'm I'm kind of a little bored. 
you know, I, I like something to do, I, you know, all through high school, I always had a job, all this other kind of stuff. What, what could I do? And, um, he said, would you like to work in the mill? I said, I absolutely, I'd love to work in the mill. It's kind of why I'm here. And he walked me down and, um, introduced me to a guy by the, the name of Nate Bingaman. Nate was a, uh, a senior at the time. And he was like, Nate, is Adam Adams going to be working with you starting tomorrow? Okay, cool. And the, uh, I think it was maybe two days later, Nate told me, he's like, so, you know, tomorrow morning, we got to get this steam flaker up and running at about six o'clock in the morning. Um, because we got to actually be on trial by eight. He's like, but I'm not going to be here. I, I've, I've, you know, I've got something and I won't be here first thing in the morning. So you come in and you work with the other guy here and, and get it up and running. And I'm going, I like, I just started working here. And, and, and I'm also not something like, I'm not a junior or a senior who's taking all the feed milling classes yet either, you know, I, but, and it was, sink or swim, push the button. What's the worst that can happen kind of a situation? And, and of course, in the female, there are some worse things. There are some bad things that can happen. But, it, you know, as long as you're being safe, it's figure it out. And and I think that's kind of where I, I even more kind of fell in love with the idea of it's just like, nah, you know, figure it out. And then, you know, I, I'll have conversations with my staff today and they're, you know, well, how come you know how to wire this motor or take this apart? or read this, you know, PLC diagram or something. It's like, because at the university feed mill, like quite a few, especially older independent mills, it's like, there wasn't anybody to call, you know, there, figure it out, you know, figure out how to do it yourself. And, um, I always really enjoyed that part. And I, and I think I still do to this day. So it's fun to get to do a little bit of, a little bit of both. Right. Yeah, and 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 I, I mean one thing that I I always tell everyone when when I had the opportunity to visit feed mills is like if you have a new employee, just uh, provide some times to work with the maintenance guys because yeah. at the end you don't want somebody like running the pellet mill or running like the mixing or the grinding system if they don't know where are those pieces, right, in the feed mill. I mean, they if they can only see those pieces in the computer, we know that we have like sensors everywhere. If they know where that sensor is in the feed mill and then there is a plug, they probably can go and fix it. So uh, what you're saying about like, you know, having that hands-on experience is is, is always good. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, yeah, the other, say like, take, like, like taking... Like trying to explain the internals of a of a pellet mill or a hammer mill or without ever having actually taken one apart. It's like, well, I mean, if you haven't taken it apart yourself and had to put it back together, how how well do you really understand it, kind of thing? And yeah, there's value. Sorry, interrupting. And the other thing that you know, like sometimes, I think I tell my student, not not my students, but like you know, when I talk with people, uh, people is gonna typically say, no, I don't like this. And sometimes you don't like it because you don't know how it works. And that applies to everything. It applies for math, applies for chemistry, applies for music. If you don't, if you don't know how to do it, the easy excuse is, uh, I don't like it. So I have the feeling like um, as uh, more people becomes more familiar with the feed industry, either, you know, like through online classes or through like this podcast, Hopefully, we are going to have more professionals um, in the field industry in, in years to come. Yep. No, I, I yeah, I 100% agree. Going back to your your comments about, you know, other programs, and but also the idea of, of the feed mills at Costa. I got asked that question just yesterday, and someone asked me, okay, you know, I was visiting a mill, 
and then and someone asked me, do you see when you go visit other facilities and and you're talking with companies, are people coming around on the idea of, of investing more in, in the feed mill? You know, and my answer was, look, it's not where I'd like it to be. It's not where I believe it should be. As you said, 70% of the cost. There are there are places not only to save money, but now there are places where if we spend more at the mill, there's more profit to be had over here by optimizing the system. And I think that's going to be a huge amount of what we do over the next you know, decade or two is optimize. Well, we already know how to, you know, brine feed, pellet feed, mix feed. Okay. So now it's, so we've reached the point in, in this industry where it's time to optimize it, get every last, you know, minute out of the process, every last, you know, kilowatt out of the process. And I think there's a lot of technology that's going to go into that. I said, but it is changing. You know, it is, people are getting more and companies are getting more invested. The ones that are, are the most forward thinking are getting more invested in it. And I mentioned what you said of, also, from 1950, whatever, when the feed science program uh, was born at Kansas State University until 2007, when the minor was started here at NC State, you, you went 50 years and there was only one feed milling program. And then you went another roughly 13 years before. While and there were only two, one with a major degree, and then the minor we we have here at NC State. With a and, and each one of those have a slightly different goal of of what we're trying to produce. You know, the dedicated feed milling folks at, at K State, and then folks that are going to be doing something in animal agriculture, and maybe it's in the feed mill. But even if it's not, we want them to understand what the feed mill does, right? And then over the last few years, mo we've heard more and more from other places saying, "Hey." you know, we're going to build a new facility and we're interested in, in, you know, having more folks. And there's always a question, well, is there, you know, is that competition? Right. And, you know, okay. To some extent, I suppose there's yes, competition and everyone's got an ego and things like that. But I also know that, you know, there are a lot of folks retiring out of the industry and we got to put new folks into the industry and people like to live where they're used to. And so the chances of a student getting created on one side of the country and moving to the other, that's that happens, but it's not the rule. It's the exception to it. And so the fact that there's this interest in creating programs tells me, yeah, that means that there's enough industry coming and asking for a level of professionalism, a level of expertise um, that they're willing to there, we have gotten to the point where companies are starting to say, "Now nah, we need to invest in this," and that's exciting. That's fun to be. That's fun to be a part of. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you look like we got feed mills in the U.S. that make a million ton a, a year, just let's multiply it by like let's say five hundred dollars per ton. That's ha half a billion dollars just in ingredients uh, that can go through a facility. So. Like you're saying, I mean, having like the the people uh, prepared to run those facilities can help a lot with the efficiency. Yep, yep. And I and I and, and I think it goes, you know, I, you being at, at Auburn in the poultry science department, and, and me being here at NC State in the poultry science department. It's it's what I said before too. It, I I love when I get a student who's really interested in it and wants to be like in the feed mill proper. Like this is I, I want to be doing quality or production or whatever. Um, I have a lot of folks through some of our uh, other programs that we offer, like our certificate program that can be done online, uh, but is basically the same coursework as the feed milling classes that our students that are doing the feed milling minor that have, have as we go back to the very beginning conversation, 
have accidentally ended up into the feed industry. Maybe they're in maintenance somewhere and gone, you know what? I really like this. This is something I want to do, but I don't want to be the guy turning a wrench only forever. I, I think I'd like to be a supervisor and then someday a manager of a facility. And, and I think I could do that, but I need the continuing ed. And that's been great. And I've learned that that along with just the idea of I can produce as many folks as, and I don't, uh, you know, I'd love to produce more. But if I produce nothing but, or if we as a whole group produce nothing but folks that manage feed mills, that's fine. But they're still going to be banging their head against the wall if the people above them don't understand. And so I get really proud of like the graduate students that we put out that go through the program. And so now they're sitting in somewhere in live production and nutrition and per wherever they are. But I know that they know what the feed mill is and they, they know what the feed mill can do, what the feed mill can't do, the kind of stresses it is. And so that that conversation, I know the companies that have done that and then have hired those folks. And I, I all, you know, I've got the feedback that's you no know, our conversations between our mill managers and the people that they're making feed for are way better because that person up there knows or the person selling the ingredients or doing R&D on the enzymes, you know, actually understands how the pellet mill works and therefore can have a better conversation with the rest of the scientists about now, nah, you know, we needed to be able to do this or that. I, I find that really, really gratifying. Yeah. And I think, you know, like that's, that's good because it, it helps out with the communication across the departments. And as I always say, the goal is not to find someone to blame. The The goal is to find a solution so that problem doesn't repeat again. Yep. And yep. you know that across training in nutrition, feed milling, live production, it helps a lot. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. Well, um, this has been a good conversation. And, and as I mentioned um, for, for everybody listening or watching, um, the plan moving forward is likely for uh, I'll handle some some interviews and some discussions with folks, more discussions than interviews, where we're going to really try to make these conversations that are interesting to you. Um, I'll handle some, and, and Wilmer handle some, and we'll, we'll try to get you kind of a consistent flow of, of people that are coming from different places around feed science, kind of like what we just talked about. Hopefully some mill managers and some people that are doing equipment sales or, or building mills, but also some, you know, nutritionists and um, other academics that are in this space and try to kind of bracket as much of the industry as we can. Um, but, you know, I, as I sit here, I think about it, too. I think it'll uh, it, it's probably something we should plan on doing also to, um, you know, every every so often have have a conversation, you know, you and me or. Maybe maybe we bring in a couple other people too, and and I think these would be fun ones to to do from time to time, also, right? Um, as we uh, kind of explore things as they evolve and and what we're what we're all seeing in the industry, I think those are some fun conversations potentially for for people to listen to. So, but anyway, that's uh that's the plan. the The plan is to um, try to give everybody a, a snapshot of kind of what goes on in the the feed industry day to day from as many different perspectives as as we can give it uh, for those folks you know certainly the the people in the industry hopefully you can find some entertaining and uh some some stories in there and things you can relate to but i'm, I'm also really hopeful that you know maybe and you know i roll my own eyes at this and you know i think about talking to my own wife and, and you know, i guess you're it's like how can i make this so interesting that you know my family would be interested in learning about feed 
Um, but I'm hoping maybe we can figure out how to do that too so that it's actually something that those people that, you know, what is it that you do? This is something they could actually listen to and learn some of that. Thank you so much. Uh, Alan. Yeah. It's been a really good conversation. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. And um, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, more episodes and hopefully quite a few episodes to come. With that, we'll uh, end this conversation here and be back to you soon with more conversations from the world of food science. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.